What's up you guys, it's Josh Tongle. Thanks for tuning in. You know, the videos I've been putting out recently, the certain topics, just to be honest with you guys, they're not things that I really think about or wrestle with that much these days, actually for several years, you know, but I just thought for the sake of my audience to kind of just give you guys a glimpse of, of my journey and, and how I ended up to be where I'm at today. But on to today's topic. I want you to imagine with me just for a moment, okay? I just want you to imagine someone that you dearly love. Not just anyone, but someone who means the world to you. Let it be someone that's just really important to you that when you think about them it just makes you feel so much love and imagine it's someone that you just can't live without in fact let it be someone that you'd be willing to lay down your life for you know but for the sake of this thought experiment let's just say that this person isn't a christian at least not in the traditional sense you know so let's just say that they know the abcs of the christian faith they've even done the whole church thing for a couple of years but the brand of christianity or the version of god that they've inherited throughout the years just didn't make sense to them and, and to make matters worse let's just say that you know just them saying the hypocrisy among many Christians that kind of created an obstacle for them as well for them to not really take that step of faith and embrace Christ as their personal Lord and Savior but listen this person this person you dearly love still loves people this person has questions you know genuinely seeking searching for answers but they just haven't quote-unquote arrived just yet of placing their faith in Christ but this person this person you dearly love still loves you then one day, unfortunately, you know, this person that you dearly love unexpectedly gets into a car accident, right? Unfortunately, and they're pronounced dead on arrival. But this person, this person you dearly love, keep in mind, didn't die a Christian. So the big question is, right, to ask is where is this person right now? Well, according to a lot of fundamentalist Christians, this person is in, that's right, you guessed it, hell. And for how long will this person be in hell? A hundred years? Nope. A thousand years? Nope. A million years? Nope. A trillion years? Not even close. Forever. And it sucks for this person because there's no escape. Because according to a lot of fundamentalist Christians, this person is suffering eternal conscious torment. Let those three words sink in, folks. Eternal conscious torment even if this is just a thought experiment the reality is is that this stuff happens every single day people lose loved ones every single day around the world which is why i think this is such an important topic to address and of course a lot of christians would be careful like they would hesitate to tell you right if it's a personal thing of someone that you lost who wasn't a believer like for example if you lose someone and you ask a christian you know where are they now and they're an, they're an unbeliever the one that you lost a lot of times christians will play it safe and try to be careful not trying to offend say well you know i don't know because i'm not the judge no, I'm not God and only God knows the heart but just think about it you know theologically speaking if they're not referring to a specific person right that you know or you love theologically speaking it, it typically if you don't believe that person who's an unbeliever is going to be in hell forever for all eternity there's no way around it theologically speaking you know i seriously believe that that certain forms of religion have really screwed up a lot of people using fear the threats of hell you know saying that unless you cross your t's or dot your eyes just right right just believing in the right religion placing your faith in christ in this particular way then an eternal torture chamber awaits you of course they don't usually say it that way but that's the reality of it all of what they're meaning though honestly i don't know any doctrine within the christian faith that's more extreme and more disturbing than this one 
I mean, think about it. Can you imagine a child hearing about hell for the very first time? Especially if they're wondering on how to avoid it. You know, it's crazy. What kind of loving parent would, would instill an unnecessary fear into an innocent child? I think a lot of our current ideas and the imagery that we use about hell comes from Dante's Inferno. You guys heard of that before? Or, or just medieval belief systems. But thankfully, more and more people these days, you know, we're questioning the doctrine of hell. But it still lingers with fundamentalists. But for me, I started questioning hell several years ago you know but back in the day hell was basically my default answer right if you were asking me where does an unbeliever go when they die hell for me it was a given all non-christians go to hell period because it was something that i thought the bible affirmed why because that's what i was taught i believe people deserve to go to hell back in the day because i believe that they needed to believe in god the way that i did and follow the path that i've taken you know i remember when i'd be in a public place right like i, I remember just looking around at people's faces and thinking oh man you know, the majority of these people, if they were to die tonight, they're going to be burning in hell or stinking forever, you know, for all eternity. And I remember it just really making me sad. And when you think about it, like, why, why wouldn't it make anybody sad? You know, I'm not freaking heartless. You know, but I remember that, you know, I wasn't going to take it sitting down. I wasn't going to let the, the quote-unquote devil have his way. A lot of people can vouch for this, like, every single week. And I've done this for, for several years where I would go around and evangelize people as much as possible, trying to be a witness. Because I didn't want anyone's blood to be on my hands, right? And just for the sake of, you know, give some sort of image. I didn't want to be in heaven one day and just looking down at the people in hell. And they're looking up at me saying, you know, why? Why didn't you share to me? Why didn't you share it? There's something like that. I gotta admit that, you know, trying to win over as many people to Christ as much as possible before I died, it felt like a huge responsibility for me. But it was something that I was willing to do. You know, I'd share to people on the streets, I'd share to people at different colleges, universities, I'd be going around to different schools, leading people to the sinner's prayer. And like, out of all these people that I would I would share and, and lead to Christ, it still wasn't enough. Those people that I led to Christ couldn't compare with like the, the hundreds and thousands of people who die every day not knowing Christ and, and ultimately end up spending an eternity in hell, right? So I guess it reached a point where this burden seemed too difficult for me to handle. Like I just started to think about it more like, why did God have to make this way of saving so difficult? You know what I'm saying? It just seemed very unrealistic that unless a person believes in a certain way, you know, this person is going to be going to hell forever. So I finally reached a point where I was willing to question this quote unquote sacred doctrine. You know what I'm saying? I was finally open to the point where I was like, what if it's wrong? What if it's not true? This was a huge step for me because it actually made me uncomfortable in a way a couple of years ago when I started to question because this is what you could call a, a fundamental doctrine for a lot of people in my circle at the time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is something that I've, I've believed for most of my life and here I am, I'm finally starting to question it. I remember when I did, I couldn't sleep for weeks, you know, in the sense that, you know, every night I'd be staying up till like four or five in the morning and, and just like researching and looking into the original languages and things like that. And so just like me at that time, you know, it was it was kind of a difficult subject for me to be open to, but I did. And, you know, it might make some of you who are watching this uncomfortable. I don't know. But if you keep watching, you know, I admire you, you know, just keep an open mind. But I just knew that it was a next step in, in my faith journey. You see, what finally got me to question this whole idea of hell and look into it more, it wasn't because of, you know, I read a particular book or my favorite theologians started to reject it, you know. In fact, the majority of the guys that I used to read, you know, Christian apologists, theologians, they were defenders of, of an eternal hell. But what got me to really question it was when I was trying to reconcile eternal conscious torment 
environment with God's unconditional love. How the hell do you reconcile those six words, right? God's unconditional love and eternal conscious torment. And so that's the thing, right? No matter how cliche that may sound, it's love that changed everything. You know, once I started to see life and, and reality and just be honest with myself through this lens of love, I started to realize that this popular gospel, this good news actually looked more like a Turner Burn gospel, like a, a believe or else kind of message. Because I've attended religious gatherings, meetings where the preacher would be talking about God's love, his unconditional love for you of sending his son, you know, like this very beautiful message throughout the entire time. But then at that very end, he'll say, or he or she will say, but if you were to die tonight, do you know where you're going to go? Because if you die without Christ, you're going to spend eternity apart from him. But if you believe that if you were to die tonight, you're going to go to heaven. So it's a choice. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear messages like this now, I think it reduces Jesus to two things. Fire insurance and a salvation ticket. It's like the preacher is basically saying this, God loves you so much. But if you don't love him back, you're going to burn and suffer in eternal conscious torment. I prepared a place just for you, for those of you who don't love me back. Now, of course, a preacher or a Christian don't usually put it in those words, but that's not the point. That's what people are thinking, hearing. And when you think about it, with that kind of threat, unless you receive Jesus, I'd be like, shoot, give me the Jesus ticket. But let's think this through though, folks. You know, if, if this eternal hell does exist and you believe in the, the traditional Christian view of God, then God must be the one sustaining hell. Because I've heard people say the hell is the absence of God. I'm not so sure about that because if you believe in the traditional view of God, that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere, which a lot of people affirm, then he must be in hell too. Why? Because hell can't exist on its own. It's not self-existent. So this eternal hell does exist. Can you imagine a good and loving God sustaining the suffering of his creation for all eternity? But of course, you know, some diehard eternal hell defenders will say, well, Josh, you know, just because you can't imagine it, it doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? And that's the thing. If we're going to be honest readers of the Bible, then we got to acknowledge that the Bible actually says a lot of different things about hell. In fact, sometimes they're even contradictory. But I'm not going to get all academic here. You know, that's not the purpose of this video. What I encourage you to do is to research this and to do your own homework on this very subject so you don't just take my word for it. But look up the words hell and eternal and everlasting and wrath, etc. Look it up in their original language and you might be surprised with what you'll find. So after this video, take some time and find out for yourself. You see, what the average person doesn't realize is that when it comes to Bible translations, there's so many of them that many of them differ significantly with one another. For example, some Bible translations contain the word hell numerous times. Other Bible translations contain the word hell only a few times. But check this out, and this is where it gets even more interesting. Some Bible translations don't contain the word hell at all. Hmm... And as you dig deeper into your studies, you know, the, the Greek and Hebrew words that we use for hell in the Bible actually mean different things than what we've been taught. Many of us have been taught. And what's also interesting is that when you look into these passages that supposedly refer to hell, you'll find support for different views of hell that actually contradict one another. What I mean is, depending on which Bible translation you're using, you'll find verses supporting an eternal hell. You'll find verses supporting unbelievers being annihilated or you'll find verses supporting temporary hell. So which is it, right? So this is why it could be such a confusing topic and which is why it could be such a hotly debated topic. 
yes, the pun was intended. You know, and that's why I believe, you know, this whole idea of hell actually creates more, more questions and answers. I, create, I think it creates a lot of problems because I think that a lot of the explanations that I've received from a lot of Christians, I just find them to be less than satisfying. I mean, think about it though, folks. Okay, if God is all-knowing, as what many Christians affirm, okay, if God does know all things, why create people who He knows ahead of time are going to reject them and end up going to hell forever. And I've heard many eternal hell defenders and Christian apologists say, well, it's better for God to have loved and lost, have never loved at all. So I know that's like a nice little quote, but is it really, when you think about it, folks, is it really better for God to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all? So let's just say that you're a parent and let's just say that you have full knowledge of the future, right? So you know that your future child is going to be in hell forever after they die. Let's just say you know for sure. Would you go through with it? Think about it. As a parent, would it really be worth loving your child for what, 60 or 70 years, right? Depending on how long they live. Would it be worth loving them at the expense of them suffering eternal conscious torment after they die? Is it worth that? Especially if you knew ahead of time. Wouldn't it have been better for your child not to be born in the first place? I've also heard Christians say that even though people have committed finite sins, they've sinned against an infinite God. But still though, you know, how does that make sense? Because we don't even do that in our own society. Aren't people punished based upon the severity of the crime and not necessarily to whom the crime is committed against? Is it really fair to be infinitely punished for finite sins? Now, shouldn't the punishment fit the crime? Even when you think about for the quote-unquote worst sin, right? For people being punished infinitely for that. Does it really balance things out? I mean, can you imagine a good and loving God punishing someone, allowing people to suffer and to be tormented forever for sins that were committed over a span of what, 80 to 90 years if you even lived that long? The whole idea just seems crazy to me. Or how is it just for someone to be held accountable for something that they've never heard before? You know, for example, there are some people who have never heard the quote-unquote gospel because some of them live out into the boonies, you know what I'm saying? So do people burn in hell forever because they were born at the wrong place at the wrong time or probably in the wrong religion? And I've heard some Christians respond by saying, well, you know, God will take that into account that because they've never heard, they're no longer responsible then. And since they're not responsible for what they don't know, you know, then they won't go to hell. Then my point is, then why tell them the gospel? in the first place then? Why make them responsible and put them at risk? I know some people will say it's so they could experience Christ in the here and now, to experience life now. But wouldn't it be better to allow that person to live in ignorance, you know, for maybe 80 plus years for however long they live, guaranteeing that they're going to be in heaven rather than hell? You know, wouldn't that be better than having them risk, you know, making a bad decision during this short life instead of making the chances greater for them of, of spending a life in hell forever or to think about is there a limit to God's love okay like as if you're on earth supposedly God is wooing you with his love to bring you to himself to bring you to Christ etc etc but once you die bam suffer God's wrath does God's loving pursuit towards humanity end at death because I've always heard that love is patient I know some people can respond and say well God is patient with people during their time on earth but that's the thing folks not a lot of people live long lives in fact many of them live short lives or I've heard other people say God sends nobody to hell God gave people free will so they send themselves there but if that's true folks if you use your free will to get into hell why can't you use your free will to get out of hell and go to heaven are people no longer free once they die love demands freedom love demands freedom to choose right but why all of a sudden you can't choose just because you die after you die and you're in hell doesn't love give room for choice still and even if people do have free will and, and Christians talk about cr people resisting God fine think about this though can God's love be resisted 
forever. Think about it. Can God's love be resisted forever? Why does death have to be so final? I'm talking about the afterlife, I mean. For those of you who are watching this and your parents, no matter how stupid your child's behavior can be, do you think that they would deserve an eternal hell? Or let's just say that your child is in hell right now. Wouldn't you as a parent, as a loving parent, do whatever it took to save your child? If, you, if it was possible for you to go in there and save them, right? As a loving parent. Because that's what love does, folks. Use your mind. Listen to your heart. No loving parent would ever give up on his or her child. So if God is love, as Christians claim, why would God do any less for his children? Because to be honest, I'd have a hard time worshiping a God who'd do anything less than what any decent human being would do. Not only would it make God look bad, in my opinion, but, but it would also make for a stupid biblical story when you think about it. So God creates billions and billions of people starting from Adam and Eve, but then all of humanity is screwed because of Adam's sin, and so by default, people are on their way to hell. But God, because He's so loving and because He's smart, He has a plan. So He sends His one and only unique Son to die on the cross for people's sins and to potentially save the world. But only a few people make it in the end. As a lot of Christians argue, you know, they say narrow is a path. Wide is a, the road that leads to destruction. You know, a lot of people believe that only a few people are going to be saved. That's a very common idea. So the majority of humanity, the majority of God's creation are going to be separated from God for all eternity in a place called hell. The end. Actually, it's not the end because it's forever, remember? Now, if that's the big picture of the Bible story, it's a pretty shitty ending. Think about it. I mean, losing the majority of your creation because of free will, because of sin, because of the devil, whatever. It kind of makes you question the whole purpose of it all. Or it even makes you question God's power. And another thing, if people really believe that eternal hell does exist, then shouldn't the passionate and zealous people be out there 24-7 preaching the gospel, witnessing? Shouldn't they drop everything at this very moment and, and abandon their cozy little lives to try to lead everybody? to Christ? Do people forget that there are countless people every single day dying without hearing the gospel? Or maybe a lot of these people just don't care. Or maybe a lot of these religious folks don't believe in an eternal hell. Or maybe it's hard to admit it. Maybe they're just thinking lazy. But of course, what comes up is the not-so-lovable ones, right? You think of the murderers, the rapists, the pedophiles, the dictators, right? So like when we're feeling angry, we believe that these people should rot in hell forever. I get it. I mean, you think of people like Hitler and Stalin and Osama bin Laden and Kim Jong-il, etc. For a lot of people, these guys are the perfect candidates for an eternal hell. Maybe. But let's set them aside for now and I want us to think about something else. What about the millions of people who suffered a living hell at the hands of these quote-unquote evil people? Think about it. These people were, were tortured. They were treated like dogs. They were killed. They were murdered. And I bet many of them weren't born-again evangelical Christians. In other words, they weren't saved. So where are they now? Where are they now? Ah, that's right. According to a lot of fundamentalist Christians, although they probably wouldn't want to acknowledge this, those victims are now suffering in hell forever with their persecutors. Why? Because they didn't believe and convert during their time on earth. And while we're at it, why don't we throw in Mother Teresa as well? Why? Because for a lot of Protestants, they could accuse Mother Teresa of not being saved by grace. That she's, you know, she's a Roman Catholic. So Catholics are very works-oriented, you know what I'm saying? In other words, she lived by works rather than genuine faith, according to some Protestants. So Mother Teresa and Hitler and company are all suffering in hell together forever. But let's just say for the sake of argument that one of these quote-unquote evil dictators on their deathbed said a sinner's prayer and asked Jesus to come to his heart and believe. Where are they now? Oh, that's right. Heaven. Really? 
is that how it works? You know, I'm not saying that I figured this all out, but I'm just trying to see in question, is it really that black and white? Now, please don't understand me here. I'm not saying that our stupid choices don't have any consequences. So I guess it, what it comes down to is this, is true justice, because everyone wants to talk about justice when you talk about hell, right? Is true justice retributive or is it restorative? Is it all about getting what you deserve or is it about restoring a person? If God is a loving father, as a lot of Christians claim, is God more concerned about giving people what they deserve? Or is he like any other loving father who is more concerned about restoring his child? You see, because punishment alone never brings about a genuine transformation, folks. Love is what transforms the human heart. Love is what heals. Love restores. Because if hell is unending punishment, when you think about it, folks, then evil isn't defeated by love. Evil isn't overcome by good, right? Instead, evil wins. What do I mean? Because an eternal hell keeps the cycle of evil in motion forever. Because it keeps evil demons doing evil things to evil people forever. There's nothing ultimately redemptive in that. So does evil win over God's love for humanity? Is that true justice? Or the times, you know, when people say, Josh, it doesn't matter how you feel about this subject. And it doesn't have to make sense to you either. It's responses like that when I hear from people that where I've seen people just become so heartless, where they're so detached from, from reality and common sense. You know what I'm saying? So let me get this straight. People, especially the ones that I love, are burning in hell for all eternity. And it shouldn't matter how I feel. How heartless is that? You know, some people would say, well, I would never let people burn in hell forever, but I'm not God. God is God. He can do whatever he wants. But I want you to ask yourself and think about why wouldn't you do it? And here's my guess. I think you know, and I know that letting people burn in hell for all eternity is not love. It's like making God a shittier person than we are. Love heals. Love restores. Love never gives up. I'll never forget the time when I first opened up to my parents about the subject of hell a couple years ago. They were surprised because, you know, their own son, who was a pastor and a missionary for, for many years, you know what I'm saying, was, was questioning this whole doctrine of hell. During our three-hour conversation, just to kind of get my parents thinking, I asked my dad, where's grandma? Where's Lola? You know, that's in Tagalog. Where's grandma? You know, because my grandma passed away when I was uh, just a little kid. And then my dad was saying, you know, he knows that she's in heaven because he led her to Christ before she died. So she, he was kind of assured of her destination. Then I asked him, you know, so where's grandma's mother and her mother and her mother and her mother, etc., etc. And then I was like, dad, you know, a lot of people in the Philippines, they're, they're known to be very religious and works oriented. And they probably didn't understand salvation by grace the way we did as Protestants. So where are they now? So are they all in hell? He didn't witness to them. So that really hit my dad hard. It really got him to think, are they still in hell? Because it's forever, right? And the thing is, from what I'm aware, my parents were the first ones in their family to become born-again Protestant Christians, you know, and that's not too far down the lineage when you think about it. So it's really difficult to conceive the idea that all those people back in the day, all our relatives are all burning in hell for all eternity. And towards the end of our conversation, I was talking about God and, and just love, giving my dad different perspectives and possibilities of the afterlife and where his loved ones might be, the ones who have transitioned over. And I'll never forget the look on my dad's face. You know, he had a stunned look on his face. And I could see that his heart was really just amazed by love, you know. And he was just staring at the ground. And he said, now that's good news. And then he walked away. I said, do I believe in hell? Let's see. Every single day, people suffer from starvation, drug addiction, suicidal thoughts, rape, sexual abuse, rejection, loneliness, feeling hatred from God, self-hatred. You see, people often forget that there are people here and now experiencing hell right now. 
why add an eternal hell to it after death? A lot of people ask me, they'll private message me, email me, whatever, asking me if I'm a Christian universalist or some people actually assume that I am, which is interesting. I'll see some posts where people will call me a uni Christian universalist. That's basically a person who says that, you know, they still have that Christian paradigm, you know, and they'll say that in the end, all will be saved. The thing is, I've never identified myself as a Christian universalist. You can watch any of my YouTube videos. I never have. I probably sound like one, but that doesn't mean that I am one. I don't care too much about the labels. You know, just because I reject certain versions of Christianity and I use the same arguments as, as Christian universalists or inclusionists or Trinitarians as I used to believe that back in the day, that doesn't mean that I'm just going to adopt another form of Christianity or another version or another Christian tradition. And it's funny because, you know, just a few months ago, like two months ago, you know, I put out my video of uh, why I no longer call myself and identify myself as a Christian. And I saw all these messages and posts of people saying, if Josh only knew that the word hell doesn't mean such and such, of putting out the whole Christian universalist perspective. Um, Josh only knew that there's this better version of Christianity that emphasizes more about the love of God and that all will be saved in the end. You know, a lot of these people posting these things as if I've never heard those things before. In fact, I, I preached some similar things back in the day. But folks, you know, with all due respect, I've looked into those different versions of, of Christianity and the afterlife, you know, Christian universalism, annihilationism, etc. years ago, folks, even before I wrote my first book. But I just don't embrace that kind of framework or worldview, you know, that paradigm. I just don't. Now, do I believe that there's life after death? Yes. Because throughout my many years, even back in the day, even when I was uh, heavily involved in my Christian tradition, you know, I, I was very into the whole study of consciousness, you know, even back during my seminary days. So throughout my studies and understanding of consciousness and looking into a lot of near-death experiences and stories that other people have had and even having my own experiences out of my body, which I'll probably talk about in the future one of these days, there seems to be good reason to believe that consciousness can exist apart from the physical body, even after after death. And sure, there are people that I've heard, I've seen videos, you know, people who claim to have seen or have been to hell. And I don't deny these people having some sort of type of experience. But I think there might be other ways to interpret and explain those situations, those experiences. But for the most part, right, if we were to talk about this whole afterlife deal, a lot of the things that I've, that I've learned about the afterlife, if it does exist, right, it does seem to contradict much of what I was taught in Christianity, much of what I was taught in my Christian understanding of heaven and hell. So is there a heaven or hell after death? For me, it depends, right? It depends on what we mean by heaven and it depends on what we mean by hell. But that's for another day. Anyways, you guys, we could keep speculating and comparing stories and arguments of what we believe about the afterlife. Maybe there is none for some of you. Maybe there is for some of you. So we're just talking about how we know these things. But in the meantime, let's keep our hearts open, right? Let's keep our minds open. Let's keep the conversation going. And I'm often asked, you know, am I giving people a false hope? Let me answer it this way. Once I transition over into the next life, I'd rather be guilty of overestimating the love of the universe rather than underestimating it. Anyways, you guys, thanks for watching. If you appreciated this video, give it a thumbs up or please like it on Facebook and share. And if you haven't already, subscribe to my channel. More videos are coming. I'm out. Peace.